Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, especially St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Iowa. We've got your bass covered. Oh boy, they sure do. Iowa reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcast. And don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. You can get the podcast there too. We Fish ASA is recorded and produced at two studios in Illinois. We send the audio down to our executive producer, Mr. Brad Nearman from Berserk Productions. He's down in Land O Lakes, Florida. He puts it together, makes it sound as good as it does. Thank you, Bradley. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix. We're going to talk about spring fishing. And then Betty Bauman from an organization called Ladies Let's Go Fishing. Man, she can sure fish, and she is teaching the females of the world how to be better fishermen. She is a great, great person. Really like having Betty Bauman on the show. And then we welcome a fisherman who's in the elite circuit. He's from Minnesota. His name is Bob Downey. He fished down in Florida. He did not win the big tournament uh, that was won by John Cruz, but what he did was have one of the best days of fishing I have ever seen. Boy, this guy, two of the four days of fishing, Bob Downey absolutely smoked them. And I want to hear him explain how we did this. Bob Downey. Well, first of all, let me uh, flip it over to uh, my partner, Dave Kranz. He's going to bring on Dan Johnson from St. Croix. Hey, David, take it away. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. And this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnston. Hey, Dave. Hey, how you doing today, Dan? I'm doing great. Excellent. Today we're going to talk about spring fishing and early techniques that that work. And um, I think early, most of the time when I think of early temperature, water temperatures, it's normally mid-40s to about 50, 52, 53. And are you in the same ballpark there for early spring techniques? Yeah, I'd go low 40s, to, but I'd take that up to low 50s. I, th- I would call that you know, cold spring water. There's a big, big, big difference between 41 and 51, though. <laughs> but, but, I, but I would call that, you know, you're certainly your early spring water temperatures. Yeah, some places down south, they never get the water in the 40s. They might have frost on docks, and but but the thermals and how it warms up during the day, you know, they can have water that's uh, high 40s, low 50s, but very rarely do they see anything close to 40. And, and that can make a difference, but it's still... Depending on the region that you're at, uh, south to north, um, the the fish still react similar, don't they? Yeah, they really do. And and I think what we really need to get our heads around on this topic is two things. Number one, fish eat year round. Us fishermen, we've proven that. People go out, ice out, the water's, you know, 38 or whatever, and they think, oh, man, it's too cold. We're not going to catch them. Well, you know what? You were catching with ice over the top of them. So you know they will bite. We just need to understand why was I catching them ice fishing versus running around in my boat. Well, the first logical thing is we're sitting dead still ice fishing. So it's more of an up and down chasing cat and mouse deal where they're moving up and down the water column and you're holding it. You're not ripping something around like you are in open water. So we need to understand that even though it's 65 degrees out, that water might not, you know, in the spring, it's not that the fish or the temperature of the water and so are the bait. We've got to get our head around that because, man, and I've fallen prey to this so many times. It's just this gorgeous day. You're in shirt sleeves and you're thinking, why in the world aren't they here? But to the converse of that, I've caught largemouth bass in farm ponds in ridiculously shallow water right after ice out when you got dark bottom color because it warms up super, super fast, like faster than most people would believe on a spinnerbait in a foot of water. But that's when it's real dark colored bottom and it's that super warm up and it's always a late afternoon deal. Yeah, and and a lot of times on uh, on the north side of that lake, it's getting the light penetration. It's hitting uh, and warming, and uh, next to logs, dark bottoms, all those things are are definitely good. Let's uh, let's 
talk about a few techniques. Okay, you said one, a spinnerbait, but that was shallow water, and that was, uh, you know, kind of a specific area. You're not going to do that on on a place that has, you know, four, five, six, seven feet deep and and not warmed up yet. But what else do you like to do in the spring? You know, a lot. There's there's a lot to do, a lot, probably a lot more than most people realize. One thing that's really effective is hair. Um, Hair is really good. Uh, Hair fish is very stiff. And it's kind of a less is more deal. It's almost like a dead stick, but you're fishing it with a, a spinning rod or a casting rod. And what I mean by a dead stick is there's not there's no appendages on it. There's no twister tail. It's just hair. It just hangs there, and it just catches them really good. And another, my all-time favorite is a jerkbait. Um, jerkbait, assuming the water's clear, you have to have clear water for it, generally speaking. But they will absolutely come get that thing if you get it down slightly above them. That's using, you know, suspending jerkbait with fluorocarbon. And then you just leave it alone and sometimes it's a long count in between and and uh you know for crappies i make depending on the water clarity uh the berkeley gold product is incredible in cold water just incredible because you can hold it they can smell it they come to it it fishes stiff almost looks like hair it's just sitting there all it's got a little forked tail on it and it's a horizontal presentation which is really what you want for for super super cold water when they can profile it they can see it and come up and get it so um and then again on, on the uh two baits that work really well and i'll go back to walleye and bass on this one is a lipless bait and then a flat side crankbait people that aren't throwing flat side crankbaits need to start throwing them they bite them way better than the round profiled ones in the spring um they bite them really good so th- those are two good ones and obviously your spinnerbait's good some people drag a jig around in real real cold water and I, that that works well too um but you generally want to get away from the plastic worms and the twister tails and you know things like that because we got to remember that water's still really cold the key is when you get it to a real good spot might have to make a lot of casts to one spot and take your time with it fish it around and and sometimes those natural colors work really well too excellent always good information um just an observation on my part early spring fishing um largemouth spawn after the smallmouth smallmouth will spawn in a lower temperature than the largemouth but when i first start fishing early i seem to have a harder time catching smallmouth and yet they spawn earlier in colder water and the but the largemouth uh, even though i'm in lakes that they have both you don't seem to catch as many smallmouth that at, at times i've looked on electronics and i've seen fish that are suspended and i think well maybe those are the smallmouth and they're just that's why we're not catching them because they're in a different area and i'd have to use a different technique but uh, have you had any experience with that or any ideas of, of what you think I have, and that's one of the reasons I brought up hair. And it works better for them than most people realize. And your you, your point you made about suspending is very true. And especially when you get in shad lakes or herring lakes or places where they get out in the middle of nowhere and suspend on those fish, they may not necessarily be that far off something that's 10 to 12 foot top out on some reef, but they're going to be out off at over 40 feet on bait. And they're really, really hard to catch. Not only because they're out there in the middle of nowhere, now live scope's going to change a lot of this i'm convinced i'm I'm actually looking forward to doing more early season smallmouth fishing up in wisconsin specifically because i have forward facing sonar now and i think it's going to help a lot not only locating bait in the water column but locating those bigger marks around them but then we also got to realize that not only are they out there but they don't want anything fast either so that adds a whole nother element to it where largemouth for some reason i do agree with you i don't know i don't have anything fact-based to base this off of but from my past experience largemouth get more target centric before smallmouth do early in cold water you can find the largemouth in the stump in 12 foot of water next to a creek channel the smallmouth is suspended out over 40 on bait that's a completely different scenario but it's also one of the reasons one of the first baits people are starting to catch smallmouth on more and more a rigs yeah. and I, I know that for sure and that's one of the reasons why is they're throwing it around suspended catching them uh, imitating bait yep absolutely i i like to throw a uh a big jig uh, early and and drag that around and because you can work it painfully slow and and that's what it seems to to trigger the bites unlike throwing a lipless around that uh you know you can you can go fast but uh, the two baits that i normally like a stick bait and a jig and pig uh, or or jig and plastic um are my two favorites early and and seem to get quite possibly some of the biggest bites of the year 
Oh, yeah. I, you know, there's no doubt the biggest bites of the year. I mean, we were just down in Texas not long ago at a retailer training event. We didn't catch many, but the ones you catch are, you know, really, really good ones. But what, one thing I did want to mention that's so important, and I'm glad we're doing this topic, it's, it applies in the spring even more than the fall when the water's first cold, first, you know, the first real cold water, open water situation we have is anything we're fishing, regardless of what we're throwing. In my opinion, there's never a more important time of the year to stay connected with your bait. In other words, if you have a windy day, don't be throwing 45-degree casts and get bow in your line. They'll bite it in the summer. They'll bite it pre-spawn. They will not bite it when it's 40 degrees because the bait's moving too fast. You're never going to detect it, even if they do bite it. So what, uh, what I would suggest people try to do is throw those casts straight downwind. Um, get boat position, in my opinion, in cold water is more important than any other time of year. Have to stay connected to the bait. Try to get all the bow out of your line. That can either be in a, in a, in a especially in the wind, in cold water and lakes, it's the kiss of death in the spring. Because you're going faster than you think you are because that line creates a dam in that wind and that water. And that bait speeds up and they just don't bite it. It took me forever to figure that out till somebody taught me that. Yeah, that's that's a good tip, and uh, I think something else that makes a lot of sense. You said about uh, fishing a farm pond uh, early in the spring and it warming up faster. We can be selective on where we go and fish. If you're just fun fishing um, and you're not doing a tournament where you have to fish on a body of water, so go to these smaller bodies of water that are going to warm up faster with darker bottoms, uh, which have a lot of sunlight uh, penetration without trees around them, and you'll probably be more successful. And if you have to do it in a tournament. You know, certainly the north-facing banks or uh, smaller bays that would also warm up. Would That's something that you would do also? Yeah, if I have that option, absolutely. And I'd, I'll, add, I'll add one to that. Fish live bait in cold water. Absolutely. I mean, instead of throwing a, a plastic, which they'll bite, I'm talking about all species, but put a minnow on it when the water's really cold. I mean, anything we can do to add in our favor. And some people would come back and say, well, the minnow kills the action on the bait. We don't necessarily want a lot of action in super cold water. We're talking about this dead stick theory, or that's why that gulp works so well. It's why hair works so well. So if you put a minnow on a piece of plastic and it impedes the action on the plastic, that's okay. Uh, because that minnow, that we call it meat, you know, sometimes can make all the difference. And there's times in real cold water, it'll flat out outfish straight plastic. Excellent, excellent tip as always, Dan. Thanks for being on the podcast again. Look forward to uh, talking to you next week. Thanks, Dave. Have a great day. Uh, you also. That was Dan Johnston. This segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. I am Dave Cran, Steve Sarley's remote, and the We Fish ASA podcast will be right back after these messages. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is sunline. One of my favorite lines to use is sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta. 
an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say every guest we have on this segment have a passion for the outdoors. My next guest has been on before. Uh, she has a pass- passion for the outdoors. Betty Ballman is founder of Ladies Let's Go Fishing. Welcome back to the program, Betty. It's my pleasure to talk about the future of women into the sport of fishing. And, I, and it's growing all the time, and more and more people um, are seeing that. The industry is seeing that. The retailers and the wholesalers are seeing that. And uh, I have a retail store in Northern Illinois, and I, I see more and more women all the time uh, going fishing by themselves, taking their kids, teaching their kids about fishing. And, and I think it's, it's just a great opportunity for, uh, for the whole industry. Yes, well, we have 9,000 graduates. We've been doing it for several years, and every year we encourage and attract more women into the sport, either at our live events, and we also have virtual meetings. So um, if they can't travel to Florida for our events, which many of them do, we have ladies from 48 different states who have attended to Ladies Let's Go Fishing. However, they can meet the other ladies learn a little bit about fishing or from our speakers and then we allow them to network so they meet each other when the virtual meetings are coming to a close no that's that's awesome how about uh, an update for us on what we have to look forward to in 2022 we have a very active schedule starting with February 26th uh, for our freshwater bass fishing seminar at Bass Pro Shops in Dania Beach, which starts with the morning in classes and uh, hands-on practice, rigging up the rod, and in the afternoon they fish from land at a lake behind there that is stocked with the elusive peacock bass that people travel from all over the country to South Florida to catch. Then we have our Gulf Coast Inshore Seminar in Fort Myers, March 26th and the 27th. 26th is a full day of learning with Captain Debbie Hansen. I know she's involved, uh, a blogger for ASA Take Me Fishing. And we have Rob Fusenecker and John Fetter. They learn in the morning and in the afternoon they practice hands-on, knot tying, casting, spin casting, fly casting, net casting. And then the last day they can opt to fish inshore on a boat because things happen on the boat fishing is all about the unexpected so you learn much more on a boat once you've learned the basics of the fishing and conservation let me add that every seminar focuses on conservation so things happen on the boat where you might snag your lure in the trees and then learn the guide's special tricks for getting it back out it's okay i'm going to keep on going go ahead may 6th May 6th to the 8th is our offshore saltwater weekend seminar in Fort Lauderdale. This is about offshore fishing. There's a welcome party Friday 6th, 7th, my, I'm sorry, Friday the 6th of 7th, May 7th is our full day seminar on offshore fishing, how to, fishing basics, uh, conservation, and again, the hands-on uh, spin casting, net casting. Um, not tying, how to put your lures on. And then the last day on May 8th is offshore fishing, which they can pay for that per person for the charter boats. Fort Lauderdale is great because in a half day, the Gulf Stream is right close to land, so you can go out after the pelagic fish like um, tuna, mahi, um, king mackerel, mackerel, sailfish, and be back in a half day. Uh, June 24th to the 26th is our Keys Fishing Learning on the Water in Isla Morada. That's where ladies can, there's no seminar, but they can learn from the charter boats. They pick two days of fishing. They can fish inshore or offshore or switch it. And if they only want to fish one day, that's fine. It's pretty much a kickoff party, instruction on fishing, and then fishing. October 7th through, well, September 23rd to the 24th is our Guy Harvey Outpost Bass Seminar and Tournament at Cap Mac in Lake Wales. Um, so they learn bass fishing. They get to fish off pontoon boats. It's limited to 12. That's two pontoon boats, basically five to six each, depending. And there's a bonfire party, a band, and usually one of the boats, everybody comes home with the wards. So that's that's pretty fun. 
October 7th through the 9th, is our Island Rada Keys weekend seminar, full-day seminar, and fishing. We have fishing on Sunday, bonus fishing on Friday. The seminar is Saturday, inshore and offshore, with the hands-on training, which is very important. Learn before you get on the boat. Uh, that will be, um, you know, knot tying, uh, spin casting, net casting. All of our skills, they vary um, according to the event. And we give away some awards, some fun awards just for catching fish. The same for June 24th to the 26th. We give away pen rods and reels. Let me add that if it wasn't for the sponsors of Ladies Let's Go Fishing, that is what turns the wheels on the car. Um, then I'm um, waiting on the date for our St. Augustine Surf Fishing Academy at the Guy Harvey Resort in St. Augustine with a Night of Lights golf, cor uh, golf cart tour where they light up the buildings in St. Augustine's from the rooftops to the ground, and it's, it's quite lovely. Uh, we do have virtual meetings. The next one is February 22nd with Jamie Burnett from Egret Bates, and we have our speaker from the Freshwater Bass Seminar as well, Brian Lebowitz. And we always have raffles, and we're giving away a pair of Costa sunglasses, Smith sunglasses, a pen combo. They can get the tickets online, and we do the drawing at the virtual meeting. So people should sign up so they will be advised, you know, when the following virtual meetings are coming up. So we're moving and grooving it, ladies. Let's go fishing with all these various events to attract women to the sport and have a chance to go fishing. And every one of those events is a destination location for for fishermen around the the world. I, I think they're all great opportunities to get out there. And uh, ladiesletsgofishing.com is how uh, the listeners can get to learn about this. I, I do have a question about uh, the people that have gone through, the students that have gone through your cor course. How many of them, um, I would imagine some have done multiples. How many of them have taken that back home to where they live and, and actually start teaching to other people? That's a great question, and what we found is if you bring one lady into the sport of fishing, she's going to bring an average of three to four more because she wants to have friends around her that she can fish with. Women are not typically lone anglers, you know, unless it's like fishing from land. No, no, and, so and have, that's, a, it's, that's a great um, how, to, how to get the ball rolling, and it, it, it gets bigger as, uh, as it goes downhill up here in the north where we have snow. Oh, yeah, and um, um, so we hear from women, you know, one thing we include at our events is the social networking, and ladies come to our events, and they meet other ladies. They become friends. They visit together. They go fishing together, and that helps cement them in the sport. For some ladies, it's been a lifelong um, changing experience, a life-changing experience, because they are developing a new circle of friends they can experience fishing with, and because of that, it's more likely that they are going to stay with the sport. No, there, there's no doubt that it uh, it in, increases as you, you do it. You want to learn more, and, and there's different styles of fishing, like you said, inshore, offshore. Do, do any of your uh, uh, opportunities for fishing include fly fishing, or is it all... Uh casting and spinning? Some of the events, when we have a fly fishing instruct, instructor, like in the Gulf Coast, we teach fly fishing. However, when you're fishing off of a boat, okay, mm -hmm. um, we, we that's really hard to offer because when one person is fly fishing, the other, say the inshore boat takes four, the other three have nothing to do and they can't fish or they get in the way of the fly angler. So that's that's one thing that's um, difficult, but we do teach it and we've had some great instructors like Stu Apt and has been at our events to teach fly fishing because he cares about women and their endeavors to go into these outdoor sports. Excellent. How, how far in advance do... Uh these ladies need to sign up for these events? Well, before that, let me add that, you know, the ASA is a proponent of the R3 initiative, recruit, reactivate, and retain. 
and that's exactly what we do. They are a sponsor of Ladies Let's Go Fishing and, you know, help us achieve our goals. So as far as how far in advance, they just want to take the seminar, you know, they can register sometimes up to a few weeks in advance. If they want to fish, they should register as soon as they hear of registration open, which we have the whole year pretty much registration open at this point. For the June one in the Keys, here's the deal. The, the charter boats are not sitting there waiting for us to charter them. We ask them to hold, give us a courtesy hold for up to two months in advance. And then when I have their boat filled, then I confirm it. So for the June 24, 26 Keys fishing, let me tell you, some of the charter boats in the Keys are already booked. Mm. So they should sign up ASAP. Um, and, and as far as all the other ones, uh, they should sign up as early on as they can because as it gets close these charters take other passengers outside of ladies let's go fishing and we're left scrambling to find charters for these ladies well that's that's good advice and definitely uh yeah the earlier the better on something like that because things are already at a uh, uh a premium um those times a year when the fishing is good and uh uh, anything, anything else you'd like to add? I, um, we're going to be up against the clock here, but I certainly enjoy having you on. Well, ladies, let's go fishing events on instruction are conducted by multiple guides in different areas. It's not like Betty Bauman teaching everybody. I teach certain parts, but um, we are uh, fortunate that we have volunteers and speakers that take their time off the water to share to the ladies during their prime chartering times. So we have to give a shout out to them and the sponsors. Also, occasionally we have silent auctions because sponsors sometimes give product and not um, cash donations. So we have to turn that into revenue to uh, keep this program operating year long. It's not an inexpensive program. It's very time-consuming, and most weeks are seven-day-a-week work weeks. I wish I was um, fishing more than working, but that's I, the way it is when you're in the industry. Yes, we all believe we would like that. Well, I appreciate your uh, your time and your update for Ladies Let's Go Fishing. They can check that out at ladiesletsgofishing.com. Thank you, Betty Bowman. Thank you. Also, men can sign up, too. We love for the family to learn together, and there are discounts for women bringing teams. There you go. Good information. Check it out at ladiesletsgofishing.com. That was Betty Bauman. I am Dave Kranz. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. Very pleased to welcome our next guest. He's not been on the show before. 
He has had one of the uh, most impressive tournament showings I have ever seen. He's not been at this uh, for a long time, but he's uh, he's been uh, a Bassmaster Elite for three years. He just fished an incredible tournament on the St. John's River. Did not win, but put in one of the most incredible performances I've seen. I want to talk to him about it. Please welcome from the Upper Midwest, Mr. Bob Downey. Hi, Bob. How are you? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, definitely, definitely happy to have you. Uh, let, let's let's talk about the Bob Downey story. Uh, you know, there's not a heck of a lot of uh, uh, guys fishing the Bassmaster Elites that come from Wisconsin. Uh, you're leading the charge. Tell me how you got into professional bass fishing, please. Yeah, and I'm actually from from Minnesota. I live in Minnesota, um, so I used to live in Wisconsin for a few years, but that's not where I'm from. I grew up in Minnesota and kind of learned how to fish there and kind of started at my grandparents' cabin and, and went from there. I've been tournament fishing since I was about 14 years old. And I, I, I've seen a couple of things, a couple of bios on you, once at Hudson, Wisconsin, and then others say Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. And when I think of Detroit, Detroit Lakes, I'm thinking uh, that's where musky fishermen come from. Do you fish for those too? <laughs> Um, not, not really. I've, I've actually done a little bit of musky fishing over the years, but not a ton. How about walleye fishing? You're a walleye guy? I would consider myself a walleye guy, but I have fished for them, you know, a decent amount over the years, just being where I'm from. It's just kind of part of our culture up there. And, um, I got a good buddy who's really into it and, We'll go out and fish them on the Mississippi River in the spring, and that can be a ton of fun. Um, so, yeah, I definitely have done it before, but, um, you know, if I'm out on my own or with some friends, I'm usually targeting bass for the oh. most part. Oh, without, without a doubt, it's funny. I, I was uh, I was talking about uh, heading, heading up to the Brainerd area. I was talking to uh, James Linder. And I said, uh, maybe we get out for a day and, and fish. I said, if I can't... Uh, if you guys are busy, I'll go out with uh, uh, I go out with somebody else, and, and we'll go, you know, we'll go for walleye. And he said, "Why do you want to bore yourself catching a walleye when you can be fishing for bass?" And I said, "Well, that pretty much that pretty much says it all. When when the lenders say something like that, you you know what you should be fishing for, and and, and it is bass. <laughs> you you're smallmouth guy or a largemouth? Yeah. Smallmouth or largemouth up there?" In Detroit Lakes? No, wait, 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 you know your home waters. Are you? Would you, Would you rather chase? Oh. Um, I mean, smallmouth are probably my favorite fish to catch. So I do a lot of smallmouth fishing. Um, they can be a little bit unpredictable in tournaments if you got the choice to chase them. You know, versus largemouth. Largemouth sometimes tend to be a little bit more reliable. But if I'm going out for fun. Um, you know, day in and day out. I do enjoy chasing, chasing smallmouth. Um, they're just pretty cool creatures. Yeah, for sure. For sure. They're, they're interesting. And, you know, you're getting into this, you got into this elite thing at the, at the right time. Because, you know, 15 years earlier, guys, you talk about fishing up north for smallmouth, and, he, and these uh, Bassmaster guys, well, what are you talking about smallmouth? I never caught a smallmouth. Now, because of the excitement of the presentation on TV and the Internet of watching, watching these big smallmouth getting caught, they're moving more of these tournaments to smallmouth waters. And it's driving guys crazy that, that never really fished for them before. But guys like you that have a background on both must love the way these tournaments are setting up. Yeah, I do enjoy it. I mean, the, you know, I've had good success out on the St. Lawrence River, and um, I've actually kind of struggled for them on Champlain. I've had good practices, but I haven't been able to put it together in the tournament. But, yeah, I, I definitely feel like I do have a, an advantage, or at least I feel comfortable um, during those smallmouth events. Excellent. Very, very good. All right. So when did you get the uh, when did you get the notion that you were good enough to to fish professionally? Um, 
honestly, I it was just something that I wanted to try because one of the local um, or one of the opens was coming to the Mississippi River in 2019, and I kind of always had the dream of trying to do it growing up. Um, and I fished locally for yeah, uh, I don't know. I started when I was 14, I guess, fishing tournaments, yeah. and then after that, uh, went to co- college, fished in college, and then after college, just fished locally for 10 years, and then when the Open was going to the river, I decided to jump in them, and just had a good season on the Opens, and managed to qualify for the Elite, so I don't think I really had this notion that I was good enough to do it, um, just had, you know, a fortunate year in 2019, and got here, I've been able to hang around now until this is my third year, so we'll see how this season goes. But got off to a good start. You're, you're, yeah, for sure. You're, you're a young, you're a young man. How old are you? How old are you, Bob Downey? I'm 34, so I'm kind of in that age where I'm not super young anymore, but I'm still, you know, I guess considered maybe a little bit one of the, more of the younger guys. All right. Now, if you hadn't gotten into professional fishing, what would you be doing to bring home the bacon? Um, I actually still work. Um, I work at, as a surety bond producer, so we write performance and payment bonds for contractors, and I've done that for the last um, almost 11 years, going on 11 years now. And um, So I do it in more of a sales role now, um, just so I can be on the road and fish, but... My, my my dream would be to fish professionally full time, so um, we'll see if I can make that happen here. Well, good good for you. And to be honest with you, pe- people don't realize. You know, a, a lot of people think, oh, you know, here, here's an elite or major league fishing or whatever. That's what he does for a living. A lot of guys are, are balancing uh, having full time jobs and that. And and the big problem to me from from talking to guys is being able to get the time off because it's not just three, four days for a tournament. It's the travel. It's the pre-fishing. It's the practice. Uh, the, the the other demands and uh, you're at least in a uh, uh, an employment segment that allows you time off, which is very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Being in a sales only role is, you know, the drawback is it's commission only, and so you bring home what you kill. But at the same time, it allows me the flexibility to be gone and chase this dream. And you know, it takes some time to, to build it and and kind of make a name for yourself. It's very much like building a small business. Um, you know, small businesses usually take somewhere in that three, four, or five years to really sure. get their feet off the ground. And and that's kind of the phase that I'm in with this right now, going into year three here. So things have been good so far. You know, last week was huge uh, for, for you know, being able to continue to do this and hopefully get off on the right foot for this season. And it was good exposure. And so all that stuff is very good for kind of building the brand. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, people don't don't realize this, and, and I think you just drove the point home by saying building a business, they think, hey, I'm going to be a professional fisherman. Let's go for it. No, it's like it's like building a business. you got to pay rent. you got to buy equipment, hire employees, whatever. They, they don't realize yep. you're starting out. You don't have any sponsors going into this, or you don't have many, or you don't have any big yep. ones going in. And all of a sudden, they're looking and saying, oh, oh, by the way, uh, uh, you better have a check-in for all these entry fees by the 10th of the month. Holy smokes, now you're betting on yourself in in a big way, man. You better be confident if you're going to write a check like that. Yeah, yeah, you've got to be confident, and you definitely got to have your ducks in a row. And, you know, you can't really willy-nilly it out here and expect to last very long because it's expensive. Um you know, you're away from home a lot, and it, it's there's a lot of sacrifices and hard work that goes into it. You know, from the fans' perspective, it there's a lot of glamour and glitz, and it looks it looks like all we do is just fish and have fun. But there's a lot of hard work that goes on behind the scenes too. I said, you know, people don't people don't realize, especially on the way up, how many times you're sleeping in your car and. Your 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 diet yeah. your diet consists of them hot dogs come off of those stainless steel 
things at the gas station, you know? Uh, that, that's that's not yeah. that's not living large. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I got in last night at, you know, 8.30, went to the grocery and um, for the groceries for the week, got the camper set up. I'm doing laundry tonight, um, you know, because I didn't have time, didn't have an off day between the next one, and we started practice for the hair stream today. So we're right into the next one and, you know, working through the night to get things kind of taken care of to make sure that we're staying healthy and fueling our bodies and making sure we're ready to go for the tournament. So, all right, fair enough. That's a, that's a, Think about that, the drive back and forth, man. There's a lot of miles. Uh, wh- wh- what else can you do, just hang around down there? No, you know, it's it, it's hard. There's so many tough choices. Hey, I look at what you're yeah. doing. You've been doing this three years. You know, yeah. I'll, have, I'll have on guys that have won, you know, like a Van Damme or, or other guys that have won $3 million, $2 million. And I look at what you've done, and and you've made you're pushing a quarter of a million dollars in fishing. That's uh, in three years, you're you're, you're talking seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year for three years. I think that's pretty gosh darn good as a second job. And I look at it, and I'm impressed because that kind of money after three years is really good because it's only going to go up from there. And it's got to be scary to think of how much you can move up just in the next couple of years. Do you think about that? Yeah, I do. I mean, you kind of got to be forward thinking and in, in kind of, you know, having a plan is always super important. Um, no different in this sport, uh, whether it's the tournament aspect or the business side of it, you kind of got to have a plan to walk forward. So, yeah, I definitely, um, you know, think about that a lot and crunch numbers and try and build sponsor relationships and work with good companies and, and all that stuff is kind of a long-term plan for sure. Fair, fair enough. And uh, and it's great. And you've got something different to offer. You're a you're, you're young guy, young, good-looking guy. Yeah, you're, you're from the Midwest. There's an awful lot of guys from the South. Uh, you don't sound like a Southerner. And, and you certainly don't sound like any of those Canadians that are coming down trying to trying to win our money. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you said I don't sound like a Minnesotan, is that what you said? No, no, no. Well, you know what? You don't sound, you don't sound like a, a Minnesotan. I could make you say, okay. I could make you say out and about, and then we'll find out for sure what you sound like, but I, 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 I won't do that. You know, you don't, you don't sound like, you certainly don't sound like a Canadian, and you don't sound like you come from Guntersville. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. Excellent. Well, let's take a let me take a quick break. Let my sponsors have a have a little word in here. When we come back, I want to talk to you about uh, your sponsors, and I want to talk about this uh, incredible, incredible tournament on the St. John's River, where you came up with one of the most amazing performances I've seen in a long time. This is We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. I'm here with Elite Pro Bob Downey. We will be right back after this. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. 
We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner Dave Kranz is not here. He's off remote. Uh, that COVID is still affecting everything. It'll change soon, hopefully. I'm out with Bob Downey, uh, Bassmaster Elite Pro, who is one gosh darn good stick. He just had an incredible performance, a one-day performance that blew me away on the St. John's River in the uh, opening event of the year. And I'll, I'll tell you something here. Uh, after the second day, first and second day, John Cruz was just running away with it. And uh, and I texted John and I said, hey, John, you know, I've, I know John, and I said, to, "Hey John, there's no way you're gonna you're gonna blow this thing. Uh, can we do an interview uh, after, after you you know after you get the trophy? Because because you've got this thing in hand. Let me know, and, and I'm here for him. And all of a sudden, it got real close on the third day, and then he, he just eked it out on the last day. So I, I don't know if he's mad at me for jinxing him, but I, I might be if I if I was him because all of a sudden." <laughs> Uh, John Cox, who I have ultimate respect for, comes out with, with a phenomenal day. And Bob Downey, a lesser-known guy, and, and, I mean, the top ten were all big names. Man, oh, man, what did you do to weigh that bag in that you that you weighed in? On day four? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, the conditions just set up right for it that day. Um, you know, the first day we had real cold conditions, you know, leading up to that day, and that kind of pushed those fish into that area that I caught them the first day. And then day two and three, it was really quite warmer. And so, you know, my fish, I think, kind of scattered, and I really struggled day two, and I ran around too much and unfortunately made some bad decisions in hindsight. Um, day three scratched out a limit and then day four came along and the condition just set up perfect and made one of those decisions that, you know, it was just happened to be a good one. It was uh, an area that I had fished the first couple days unsuccessfully. I didn't catch any there, but I did catch some there in practice. So yeah. I knew there were fish there. And I just decided to switch it up on day four and go there first before going to the area where I caught that big bag on day day one. And the way the current was setting up that morning and the clouds and the rain, um, you know, those fish were just grouped up there. And after that first one bit, I think it really fired up the school and I ended up catching six of them out of that one area in like 20 minutes. And it had like 22 pounds in the first you know, hour and a half. And so it was an incredible start to day four championship Sunday and just kept at it and figured that probably wasn't enough due to the fact that I was behind by tiny 10 pounds or so. And then when I landed that eight pounder at like 11, I thought I legitimately had a chance if I got one more big one. And uh, so we kept after it the rest of the day. And that next, you know, I needed like a, probably a, Five pounder and to, to win it and never got it, but you know, still thankful for the week ahead and how everything went and to have a great start to the year. Yeah, it's yeah, 74 pounds in four days. Uh, on day four, uh, yeah, you, you had five, five pounds, you over 29 pounds, five fish. The first day, you had 27. Uh, and obviously, when you look at the stats on here, it begs the question. And I'm sure this, I want to know how this is affecting you mentally. If you would have caught one more fish on day two, you only weighed in one fish on day two. It was a six-pound, 11-ounce behemoth. But if you would have weighed in another legal fish on day two, you would have won this thing. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, that'll haunt me for a long time. But honestly, I'm at peace with it already. Like, I mean, I, there's... That 29-pound bag could have never happened the last day, too. So, I mean, that it is what it is. I mean, I made a decision to run elsewhere on day two. Nothing nothing worked, unfortunately. And, 
on uh, on day three, at the end of the day, I lost like a three to four pounder right at the boat, and I weighed in a fish that was less than a pound that day. Oh. So I had the fish on to win. Um, you know, I fished well enough and got got the bites to win that tournament. Unfortunately, lost that one at the boat. Um, but you know that's how it goes. What what were what were your uh, what were your five fish on day four? I I don't have it in front of me, but it was like you, you had an eight two fives and and uh, eight two fives and a three or something. It was just amazing the fish you I caught. Had, yeah, I had an eight, a six, two two fives and a three three and a half or something like that. Were you surprised to see the size of the fish that the St. John's River was giving up? Um, yes and no. I mean, in practice, I saw some fish like that. I caught some big ones in that area, so I knew the potential. Um, but I didn't think I'd catch five of them. You know, I thought I'd catch maybe one to three or something like that if I was lucky. And to catch, you know, ten big ones, you know, five the first day, five the last day, and actually that six-pounder, you know, day two was pretty amazing. And to really, you know, to only lose one one fish on a treble hook bait like that, I can't complain too much. No, not at um, all. Not you know, at you're, all. You're bound to lose at least one, it seems, whenever you're throwing a bait with treble hooks. I just, uh, I, I like the way you can shake it off and move on to the next one because beating yourself up over the past isn't going to... Uh, I just isn't going to help you help you at all in the future. It's just going to get you no. mired. I always thought, uh, I, I knew Aaron Martin, the late Aaron Martin's pretty well, and, and we talked a number of times. And, uh, you know, he he, fin he had a number of uh, second-place finishes in, in, in the classics back when he was in Bassmaster. And I swear those second places haunted him until the very end. He would always talk about what he could have done different that would have got him a first instead of a second. I'm like, just move forward and get a first the next time. And he'd be, I can't do it. I, <laughs> yeah. can't, I can't do it. It's in my head. I can't shake it off. And I said, damn good fisherman, yeah. but he's the only guy I know that would, would talk about that because almost everybody yeah. says that they shake it off, but I don't know if they actually do or not. Yeah, I mean, I probably never fully will, but, um, you know, I guess what, what I think of, you know, more is that, you know, those big days could have never even happened to put me in that position. You know, that flurry may have never happened. I could have weighed a 12-pound limit, and I never would have been thinking about that. And so, you know, that last day was so special and so rare. Just for that to happen to begin with was pretty amazing. Sure. You know, so that's kind of how I'm looking at it. And, um you know, that kind of helps me move forward and move past it. What's the biggest uh, What's the biggest bass you ever caught? Um, I caught one on Chickamauga a few years ago that was just under nine pounds. Excellent. But that limit I caught on before was the biggest limit I've ever caught. You know, it's funny. I, I'll, I'll ask people, and uh, uh, you know, what's the biggest bass you ever caught? I said, oh, I, I caught a ten. I caught a ten three on uh, on Gunnersville. Whatever. Boom. Done. And that's that's the end of the story. And then I'll say, what's the biggest one you ever lost? And now it turns <laughs> into like a not like they're writing a novel. Oh, I was on this, and I got and I got it up the side of the boat, and did did that. And it's a, I swear to God, you guys remember the ones you lost better than the ones you caught. <laughs> yeah, we're fishermen, so that's that's what we do. We tell fish stories and like to tell about the ones that got away. So ah, it's unbelievable! It's it's, 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 un kinda... it's it's unbelievable, and that makes that makes it uh, that makes it even even better. It really does. Let's talk about let's talk about uh, uh, sponsors and that because you mentioned business earlier, and people don't realize that's. I think that's one of the hard. I mean, it's not easy to catch fish, but it's hard to keep all the balls in the air at the same time. And sponsor obligations and getting new sponsors is tough. I'm, I'm happy to yeah. know. I'm happy to know that you're a uh, you're a Saint Croix rod guy. Uh, Saint Croix is a major sponsor of our show. Has been since day one, and I think that's great. You're with them. And what do you think about them making a big entry into sponsorships of bass tournaments? They've never been in the bass business. Yeah, 
Saint Croix, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's really cool that they're um, the title sponsor of the Bassmaster Opens this year. That's um, it's really neat. I mean, I grew up fishing Saint Croix rods. I I went to their rod shop numerous times as a young kid, um, going to Northern Wisconsin for fishing openers at friends' cabins and. Um, to see them kind of now, you know, they've been in the bass world now for several years and to jump in as a title sponsor for the Opens, which are, you know, crazy popular these days. I mean, the Open fields are just, you know, they're they're filling up faster and faster every year. So for St. Croix to throw their hat in the ring for that is a really neat deal. It's, you know, it's great to work with companies that support the industry like that and, they, you know, St. Croix is such an iconic brand that I've, I've used my entire life. So it's really neat to be to be with them and to kind of represent that company. They need uh, they need one of their guys to win a major event. Uh, you got anybody in mind? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I would do, I'm not, do the job. I I, I, th- I think you'll I think you'll be the one, and they will love you even more than they do now. I think that'd be so darn cool. <laughs> Uh, who do you who do you use for electronics? I use Humminbird. I've been with them for the last this is my third year now. Um, you know, working with them, I've actually used their product for many more years than that, and they played a huge role this last week. Without 360, there's not a chance I would have done what I did. Um, you know, I was able to see that shell down there on that 360 and make pinpoint cast direct to it. So that was invaluable this last week. It, it, as important as any other piece of equipment that I used was that Hummingbird 360. Excellent. I'm running out of time. I do want to ask, these things change so much every year. It's like you're dealing with a, a whole new animal every year in the electronics business. How do you learn? Yep. How do you learn the, the the nuances and the intricacies that they put into these new models every year? Yeah, I mean it's just time on the water um, is really what it comes down to. I'm learning every day with those things. You know, three years ago I never even had 360, and now I can't live without it. Um, you know, they're my eyes under the water, and there, you know, no doubt you're you're you are catching more fish because of your use of electronics. You know, there's definitely tournaments where they don't play as big a role. Um, and even if you're not using 360 or sonar or forward facing, um, you know, sonar, you know, you're still using mapping. So Lake master always plays a big sure. role. Even if you're, you know, up on the bank, you know, you're still using that map to get around safely and pattern fish and run from one spot to the next. So they're super important, and time on the water is the best way to, to get out and with those. Excellent. We'll, we'll enjoy watching you in the future with uh, all the time underwater you'll be spending and, and watching that bank account grow. I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on those career <laughs> winnings because I think they're going to go up real quick. Uh, you got a very, very bright future. One of the best performances in a day in a tournament I have ever seen. We're very proud to know you and have you on the show, Bob, and we look forward to having you on again. Thanks for being with us. Well, well, great. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for your time. Excellent. Bob Downey, Bassmaster Elite. He is something else. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank our guest, Dan Johnston. Betty Bauman from Ladies Let's Go Fishing and Elite Pro Bob Downey. Good guy. Hasn't been at it that long, but I think he's way out of the curve. You're going to hear a lot more about Bob Downey in the future. I'd like to thank our sponsor, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. They have what you need for every application at every price point. There's no reason for you not to be using Iowa Reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available everywhere you get your podcast, And don't forget to uh, check it out at our website, wefishasa.com. You can write us there. So if you like what you hear, please let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or somebody you think we ought to have on the show, let us know that too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner's Dave Kranz. 
We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing! I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.